Focusing your demographics willing to 10x your, your price. Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Hey, everybody, we're back with another edition of the podcast. I'm David Allen from makewordspay.com, and we're here today with a man named Liam Martin. He's the founder and CEO of timedoctor.com and staff.com. We'll have to ask about that domain name in a bit too, I'm sure, because that's a very interesting one. Uh, Liam, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. I'm actually the CMO. My co-founder, Rob, is the CEO of the company. Oh, okay. Um, but sometimes that actually gets kind of frayed as well because <laughs> we kind of do the same jobs a lot of the times. But I'm very happy to be here. Uh, yes, everyone wants to talk about that domain name. Yes, it costs about half a million dollars. Yes, we had to go through a very interesting process to be able to actually get it. Took about six months, counter negotiations back and forth. And at the end of the day, we kind of got ripped off uh, buying it for about, well, I mean, we originally negotiated, I think the price was 420 and then uh, we really wanted it. And we had mystaff.com as a okay. domain. And then about six months later, we basically said, we're going to hold off and we're going to see whether we can qualify the product and figure out whether we're going to achieve product market fit. Right. And then six months later, the guy came back saying, hey, I have another buyer. Mm. So he's trying to push us, right? right. As some people like to do. People, <laughs> people like to do, pushing us towards the deal saying, get her get off yeah. the pot. Yeah. So we, we got on the pot and uh, we, um, we said, well, you know, we can give it to you all in cash. So we just, we just uh, bought the domain cash. Nice. And so that also for those people that don't know, like a, another big component of having a high end domain name, when you email people cold, uh, and I've run this experiment myself. So right. we'll run, we'll send a hundred emails through, you know, Liam at timedoctor.com and we'll send a hundred emails through Liam at staff.com. Just the response rate is about double wow. for the higher end domain. And wow. there's no real, and these are people that are not associated with one brand or the other. They just respond more because right. they see the domain and they think to themselves, Oh, that must be legit. Very interesting. So Very interesting. It's, it's an interesting exercise to kind of go about trying it. I would personally not suggest that you do that until you really know that it's something that you right. want to move forward with. Um, but for those that, uh, that want to make that type of investment, it's, uh, it's big just in terms of deliverability. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, take us back to before you were uh, starting up these companies and stuff. What were you up to? Where were you and how did you get started? Sure. So I ran a, uh, I was actually a, a, I guess a graduate student, and I was a lecturer at McGill University. I was taking my PhD in sociology down there, and I was really excited about becoming a professor and going into academia. That was what I wanted to do. So I was on my second year, and in your second year of graduate school, they start to give you classes. And the reason why they give you classes is because you're really cheap um, <laughs> to be able to to work with. So we had. Uh, I, ha I was teaching a class of around, I believe it was like 300-ish students, and one other person was working with me on it, and I thought, oh man, I'm going to have just a fantastic, I'm going to be amazing at this, 
I ended up being absolutely horrible at it. It was a horrible experience for me. Ended up, I think at the end of the year, I lost about a third of my class just from people dropping out. And then I remember going back to my supervisor and I told my supervisor, I don't think I'm very good at this. And he turned to me and said, you're not very good at this. Uh, (laughs) And I said, well, what do you think I should do? He's like, well, if you want to go into academia, you're going to be doing this for about 40 years. So you might want to think about that, right? Like really hard beforehand. So I said, well, can I like, how can I get out of this situation? He said, can you write 200 pages on any subject? Uh, I said, basically, yes. He's like, then I'll give you a master's degree. Wow. You want to walk out? And I did. And then about eight to 12 weeks later, I did that and bam, um, I was, I was out of graduate school, which was, uh, which was scary. And that was actually around 2009 ish, 2008, 2009 ish, right before the big collapse. Right. So, uh, it collapsed, you know, as everyone knows, and we, and you know, everything went sideways. So I didn't end up having any type, you know, I was, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to go get myself a nice, government job i'm canadian so canadian right. great. Um, particularly for someone who has degrees in sociology you know you don't really have any degrees in like business or marketing or anything like that so i i ended up uh not being able to do that because no one was handing out jobs and i ended up running an online tutoring company because okay. i really teaching but i didn't really like lecturing so that was i, I was very passionate about teaching people one-on-one so i started the tutoring company I turned it online. I started uh, tutoring kids through Skype. Long story short, about two and a half years later, that turned into 200 employees in the company Mm. working, teaching, uh, tutoring students on your medical uh, pre-med like classes, your pre-med. Oh, okay. So like math one, two, chem one, two, physics one, two. Kids pay a lot of money for that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, So we went through that. We ended up... um, that was about you know two and a half, three years in. And one of the things that came up, which was a real problem for me and actually stopped the company from scaling and getting to the next level, was <clears throat> the tutor would say, uh, would charge the, the student for 10 hours. And then I'd build a student and the student would come to me and say, well, the tutor didn't work with me for 10 hours. He worked with me for five hours. Right. And then I'd go to the tutor and I'd say, did you work with the student for 10 hours? And he'd say, of course, I worked for the student for 10 hours. <laughs> so right. who's who's lying right who's yeah. who's telling the truth and who's lying so what i'd end up having to do is i'd refund the student for five hours and pay the tutor for the full 10 okay take a I'm loss screwed. yeah i'm screwed loss. right yeah. and this was destroying the business there was no way remotely because these 200 tutors were all over the world they were all over right. europe and north america how the hell do i figure out what people are doing and how can i confirm that not just that time was tracked but that that you were actually working with that person, that you're having a Skype call with that person for two hours and 28 minutes and 13 seconds. That's how we built Time Doctor. So that was the solution that we needed to be able to figure out what was going on. So Time Doctor is what we call a time analytics tool. So it measures the websites, applications, mouse movements, and keyboard movements that you're working on throughout your workday. So right now I'm on podcast with David. Mm -hmm. I'm on 35 minutes and 28 seconds as of right now. And at the end of this call, I'll be able to analyze, you know, how long am I on Zoom? How long am I on Gmail? Right. How long am I on this? How, am I, how long am I on that? And that allows you to be able to figure out different metrics and figure out different productivity variables um, that apply to you. If anyone knows, you know, most of your audience probably knows Google Analytics. Sure. Basically think of Google Analytics for human beings. That's what okay. we, we sell. 
That's very interesting. And when, when you found out, uh, when you started applying that technology to those tutors, what did you find out? Did you find out that the tutor was doing, spending time, you know, away from the actual Skype call? Well, actually, I sold that company to be able to work on <clears throat> Time Doctor full time uh, uh, with my co-founder, which is Rob. Gotcha. So we, but I can tell you because we actually, that's a huge niche for us is uh, tutors, online tutors. And you'll find about 95% of them are actually, you know, what they say is 100% of what they actually do. Mm-hmm. There's about 5% variation that are either, they don't know how to use the tool properly. That's a smaller component, probably about 20% of that 5% don't know how to use the tool properly. And then the other 80%, basically they're ripping off their employer fundamentally. Um, And and that's neither, so ripping off might be a strong word. There are some people inside of organizations and we focus on remote teams. Um, Mm -hmm. We have hundreds of thousands of these people all over the world that, you know, currently use our software, but we have, um, when you focus on in-person offices, there's usually these people that I would kind of call like the the office clown or like the guy that kind of holds everybody together, the talker. Right. Um, most copywriters are actually like this. Their, right. their personality types are very much connected to that type of archetype um, where they're easy to get along with. Everyone kind of loves them and they always feel like they're doing things. Well, mm. they're not. Uh, they're, right. <laughs> they're not doing, they're not doing work. Right. When in the classic terminology Sense. of what work is, but right. they're actually are doing something else, which is keeping the team together, um, making sure that they're happy. We've got a couple of those guys on our team right now. And uh, those guys are, are fantastic and they may not be the most productive employees, but you need them inside of an organization to have them function properly. Right. So for us as, as well, like we'll see people on Facebook or YouTube or something like that. Like if you want to spend a couple hours on Facebook and YouTube per week throughout your work week, not a problem. Um, it does become a problem if <clears throat> you've got a 40 hour work week and 20 of those hours are spent on World of Warcraft. That's right. when you've got to have a conversation. We actually had uh, one of one interesting story from a client. We had a, or he had a senior level developer. They started detecting World of Warcraft on his work computer. Okay. And he's in an office, right? right? So the guy says, well, you know, what the, why are you playing World of Warcraft at work? And he said, well, here's my problem. I work for you guys for about, you know, eight hours a day. I go home, I play World of Warcraft, I go to sleep, and then I wake up again and I go and work for you guys. They asked him, like, is this a problem? He said, yeah, I've got a kid. I've got a wife. I don't talk to them. I don't interact with them. He, they, instead of firing him, they went in, got him some therapy. He had a DSM approved video game addiction. Uh, They had him delete his video game character. And now he's back to being one of the most productive employees in the company. Wow. Uh, And out of, I think, 40 devs that he had on the team. So if you hadn't had that technology in place, what would have happened is just general drops in productivity over, let's say, six to 18 months, and it would have resulted in a termination. But because you were able to detect that earlier on, you were able to nip it in the bud and get him the help that he needed. And now he's, you know, one of the top guys in the team or back to being one of the top guys in the team. So that's kind of another variable as well that's super important for us when we look at how we're don't, there's a component that's absolutely monitoring, mm-hmm. um, particularly for remote teams. But for us, we also want to say, we also want to show customers, you can use this as a productivity tool fundamentally. That's what mm-hmm. it really is. That's what we did for. And then all the other factors are kind of secondary to that primary one. Yeah. Now, did you, when you were making Time Doctor and you sort of had, you know, had the different versions, I'm sure the different iterations, did you start applying it to yourself? And, and what did you find out about yourself and your own time 
So I actually, uh, after about six months of using it, uh, I discovered an interesting trend, which was my productivity goes way down on Tuesday afternoons. And I was thinking to myself, why? What is this trend line that's Tuesday afternoons or shit? And then I really, you know, I started studying what the hell I was doing on Tuesday afternoons. Well, Tuesday afternoons, I don't know if it's the same thing in the United States, okay. but it is in Canada. It's a cheap movie night. Yeah, that's okay. the, in Canada, I, I don't know if that's the same here, but it, I, I'm from Winnipeg, actually, so I can okay. attest so to what Canada, you're saying. So in Canada, Tuesdays are like half price yeah. movie nights. <laughs> so what ends up happening is my girlfriend calls me. Right. Hey, what do you want to go see? Do you want to see Superman or Batman? Right, right. Uh, okay, I want to see Batman. Okay, find <laughs> out if Suzanne wants to see Batman. Can you message her? Okay, I'm going to message her. She doesn't want to see Batman. She wants to see Superman. So it's like back and forth, back and forth. And what that, ha- what that creates is these notifications. And really, the, another component connected to copy. Mm-hmm. And, and copy to me is not just writing stuff down. I think it's a right. lot more multifaceted than that. If you can get my attention, you win as a marketer, right? So what is, this is a distraction machine. This is specifically designed to distract you. The best apps in here are just the best distraction machines. That's it. So when you look at distractions, you know, you're getting pulled off of what you're currently doing. It's a really, it's not just looking at a tweet. It's not just looking at a Facebook message. Mm -hmm. It actually takes you, uh, there's studies to show, takes about 16 minutes to get back into a productive flow. Which, uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard of flow state focus, but just like this concept of just getting into flow, writing properly, doing your main task. So that tweet didn't just cost you 30 seconds. It costs you 16 minutes and 30 seconds. And you need to be able to be mindful of that. So what I now do is I take Tuesday afternoons off. I just don't work on Tuesday afternoons. So pretty counterintuitive, right? If you were working in a company, they'd probably be like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're not going to take Tuesday (laughs) afternoons off. I make it up in other places. I make it up at other times, but right. like these Tuesday afternoons, I think to myself, okay, I'm going to knock off around three, four in the afternoon. Right. And then I'm going to go and do the, and do the movie thing. Yeah. Um, and that is a much more, when you look at the end, you know, it, it, it you want to really measure and that's what we measure. So our mission statement as a company is we want to empower workers to work wherever they want, whenever they want. Mm-hmm. So once you, you know, you had your own needs, you saw a need in your own previous company for stuff like this. What did you then do to try to reach out to people and and try to grow this new company and get this software out there? That's, I mean, that's a very long story. Uh, We're (laughs) on year six right now. We're at 80 ish people in the company. And honestly, everything, anything under the sun for anyone that's interested in that in general, I would suggest the book traction. That's a fantastic book to really kind of figure out where you're going to start, you know, the different traction funnels and how to implement them. For us, we fundamentally just started talking to people. There's a lot of tech startups are um, anything that you need, you need to get to product market fit as fast as humanly possible. So you need to spend as much money, as much time, as much resources to get to product market fit. So mm-hmm. what is the definition of product market fit? And, um, and I apologize if some technical terms are coming up, but uh, if if your audience doesn't understand them, then just stop me and I'll explain them. <laughs> so yeah. you need to be able to have below two and a half percent monthly churn, as an example, customer churn inside of your business. Your business needs to be growing continuously in an upward arc. Preferably, I would say at the beginning of your business, you better be doing two to three hundred x per year, uh, two to three hundred percent growth per, per, year. per year. And then as you get into scale, past one million 
preferably doing 100% year over year is fantastic. Doing a little bit lower than that is also great, but you need to be able to keep that curve going. And if you can keep that curve going, then you'll have a hundred million, 200 million, $300 million company. It's just math. Um, But then you, I mean, it's math in perception, but in reality, it's a lot more multifaceted and complicated than that. So you need to kind of look at the, and there are some products that can probably get to a million, but could never get to 10 million. There are other products that could get to 10 million, but could never get to 100 million. So you need to know where you are there in terms of, and then also possibly adjusting that product along the way. I know that Mm -hmm. that's something that we've really focused on is, okay, we've got this market locked. How can we 10x it? As an example, how could we we 100x it? Uh, And those are very interesting conversations to have once you have cash in the bank. Mm -hmm. And you're able to think strategically about your next step. So at the very beginning of the business, basically, we started selling the product for free. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, you know, we would give them a free copy of Time Doctor. And we ended up having, I think we had 6,000 companies at that point using it. Mm -hmm. And when we went to, no, wait, sorry. I don't exactly know the numbers, but... We, when we start, when we first opened our doors, we had 6,000 monthly recurring revenue inside of the business. And we cut, I think we only had about 20% of our customers that ended up switching over to a paid product from a free product. But because of that, we actually had something else that was very interesting that happened. Um, our time tracked tripled, mm. which was a very important engagement metric for us. So right. our big engagement metric is, are you tracking time? If you're not tracking time, you're not using the app. So we only had 20% of our customers stay with us. And to a degree, that was not great. But in another context, we actually started getting much more useful feedback that was coming through the business because now we had a product that people were really using, they were using passionately, they were giving us feedback on, you know, why it's working and why it's not working, because once they start paying for it, their feedback literally 10x's. Uh, and that was that was super powerful for us to be able to evolve the the, the product to the next level because we thought we had it locked. We thought we had a bunch of engagement metrics that were doing quite well. And yeah, we didn't have anywhere near as many people <clears throat> using it when we went to paid, but mm-hmm. the engagement metrics just like went through the roof, right. um, which was fantastic. That was one of the big cogs was sort of giving it away at the beginning to get get that engagement. I would say if I was going to do it again, I personally would not give it away for free. You would charge like a minimal fee or something? Yeah. A dollar. dollar, Whatever it is. Just, just like, just open up your wallet, just open it up a little bit. And then later on, uh, a company that we had talked about beforehand Mm -hmm. was uh, Intercom. And Intercom charged us $25 for unlimited users, like unlimited emails on internet, like all you can eat package right. for 25 bucks when we first started using it. And we we're like, that's amazing. Right. I think we pay them thousands of dollars now a month. Right. Um, and they just wanted engagement metrics. They wanted to know they are paying for it and they're using it. Yeah. As long as those two things, and I was giving them feedback. I was emailing them all the time. I was emailing their support team. We did calls. You know, I was really passionate about the product because I knew that it was something that I used on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's a, you know, a tool that a lot of copywriters use as well. So that for me, that was super smart on their part. Just make it stupid cheap, but make them jump through some type of hoop because if it's free, you'll try it. And then you'll just say, ah, forget about it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that, that, no, that's a very good point, I think. And uh, there's a lot of direct 
marketing companies, of course, that go go that route with that minimum sort of free trial yep. uh, to get people. And, and, and even though it's only a dollar or something like that, it creates a, at least I have seen, it creates a much, it attract a much different person. Absolutely. You know, too, even with that minimal charge. Yep. I was talking to someone just a few days ago and they were trying to sell me on a course Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to uh, do something connected to um, Facebook advertising. And I said, I'm not interested in buying your course on Facebook advertising, but I am interested in you coming in and helping us with Facebook advertising. So like uh, understand your different customer as they Mm -hmm. apply to different, like I don't have time. We have five or six guys that do, that do Facebook advertising, do SEM inside of the company. What I need is an expert to come in and help me. And you could probably make 20 to 30 X just coming in for the day and helping me. If you have that knowledge, if you're that good uh, to be able to, you know, to be able to work on the problem with us. So I think that that's something that a lot of people don't really under like throw that option in, you know, even when you're, and this kind of goes a little bit past direct marketing and copy. But if you have, if you have the, Hey, um, here's the course for 500 bucks and uh, we'll do it for 5,000 for a day. Do that. That's, I, that yeah. I'm the guy that buys that every time. First, and people maybe don't realize this, I guess it's uh, obvious to some of us and others, not so much, but that is basically the way you get consulting gigs. If you're smart is to teach something like that yep. and then use that as part of your funnel. I'm still technically the person in charge of SEO inside of the company. Okay. I no longer know all of the processes that go on inside of SEO inside of the company because there are so many, there are 20 people that are associated with it. So it's a huge machine now. And for me to under, I know each part theoretically, but I don't, I could not actually show you, I could not right. sit down with you and show you that process because we've hired experts right. to be able to go in and work with those different people. So think about that context and you want to, you want me as your customer, cause I'm going to pay you a lot more money right. than, than someone who's like, okay, well, you know, I'll pay 400 bucks for something that I'm going to do myself. If right. think, think about that. Cause like, yeah. I think that that's just so powerful to people um, that don't really get yes it's a smaller demographic slap it up there doesn't 5% matter of your exactly percent of your demographics willing to 10x your your price so yeah 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 that's Go a ahead. very 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 astute uh, thing to say people want to get a hold of you get in touch with you and uh, check out time doctor and stuff where do they go yeah um i i hate people that always send you like your twitter or something like that you can email <laughs> me it's uh it's liam l-i-a-m at timedoctor.com and you can just email me right through there. If you want to sex your email address, you can also email me through liam at staff.com. Uh, either of those ones work. They go to the same inbox. Um, you should be interesting when you email me because if you're not, my assistant will just pull it off of <laughs> right. the queue and I'll never see it. So um, make sure that it's interesting and I'd love to talk. Awesome. I really want to thank you for coming on the show, uh, Liam. This has been excellent. You've got a lot of life experience that you've uh, managed to uh, condense and share with us here today. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah. Thanks yeah, a lot. Thanks. Same here. And for everybody else, we'll be back again with another exciting episode of the podcast next week, hopefully with somebody sharing as much valuable information as Liam did today. And if you want copy that converts on time, guaranteed, then just head over to makewordspay.com slash copy and get on my waiting list. I've recently opened it up again to new clients. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. 
Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more. Oh,